Hi, and welcome to the Liberation Lab for Women in Business. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, success strategist for women in business, and I'll soon be joined by my dear friend and co-host, Laura Schutt-Guzman, an amazing psychotherapist who works with women entrepreneurs. Together in the Liberation Lab, we explore what it actually takes to create fulfillment, success, and liberation. In today's episode, we want to take a look at business from a feminine lens, because let's be honest, the business world is dominated by a masculine lens. The practices, structures, and philosophies are all masculine, and women often contort themselves to fit into it. Sadly, half of our recording today was lost. We had such a good conversation, though, that I didn't want to get rid of the last half of our chat. So I'm going to be introing this episode, and then you will hear the last 30 minutes of Laura and I's conversation. If you're enjoying the show, we'd be so happy to have you review us on iTunes. You can also head over to liberationlab.com to subscribe and access some amazing resources to help you feel more liberation. Okay, let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Liberation Lab. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and I will be joined soon by Laura, my co-host. But before we get to her, I wanted to just intro this episode and let you all know, as I mentioned in the intro, that we lost the first half of our recording. But this conversation was so amazing, I didn't want to throw it away. So I'm just going to briefly intro you, and then we're going to drop you right into the middle of Laura and I's conversation. Today, we really want to talk about what it's like to look at business through a feminine lens. Years and years and years ago, I started to look at how we can do business in a more feminine way because the truth is that business is done in a masculine way. All of the structures, all of the philosophies, everything about business is really through a very masculine focused lens. And what I find is that a lot of women are burning themselves out, are really, really struggling in business because they're trying to operate in a way that's not authentic themselves. So we're not in any way saying that the feminine way is better than the masculine way, but what we want to explore is how each part of the masculine and the feminine has a place in business. And unfortunately, at least up to this point in our modern world, the feminine way is not really honored. And I think a lot of people don't even know what the feminine and masculine way actually looks like. So Laura and I are going to sort of dive deep into this topic. And like I said, we're going to drop you right into the middle of our conversation. But we're going to make this kind of a part one because it's a very important topic And I think that as women learn more and more to operate their business in a feminine way, that they're going to learn how to truly succeed. So here's our conversation, and we'll do part two next week. So one of the things that it just boggles my mind is how we have such a hard time bringing in the feminine perspective, because there's nothing, or what I appreciate what you, the point you made was that the masculine has its value and the feminine has its value. And we're not saying that the feminine is a better way mm. of doing business. It can be and sometimes, yep. but sometimes the masculine can be the better choice. It's an integration of the two and we can apply different aspects um, from a more holistic approach to business. It just, I don't know, completely still blows me away that we live in a modern, modern with 
air quotes around that society that's supposed to be civilized and evolved that wants to leave out a half of the whole equation that we want to only operate from a male lens, putting the masculine on the table as the way to do business and not make any room for the feminine way to be just right alongside the masculine, not valuing one over the other, but just a general appreciation that both have a lot to offer in a recognition that we probably, I'm not even probably, a recognition that we are missing out on some really important um, human evolution if we remain stagnant in a masculine-only perspective. Yeah, well, I think to go even farther than that, I think we're going to destroy the world if we continue to stay in the masculine Absolutely. And I think that that's, you know, just to break it down a little bit even more, you know, if you look at inside of ourselves, so this isn't really about being male or female, right? This is about inside of ourselves, we each have a masculine and feminine. And, you know, in all the studying that's been done around these two topics and in all the really like looking at, you know, with neutrality, like the feminine, the masculine energies, you know, one of the ideal ways to operate is that the feminine wisdom is leading and the masculine is implementing. And that even inside of ourselves, that is a really powerful operating system when we allow the feminine to ground us in our connectedness to the earth and our connectedness to each other and, and to the, the wisdom that's stored there, which is, you know, innate and includes everything and all history and all things. When we're connected to that level of wisdom, and then we're using our masculine to take action and to implement things. That's a really, really powerful combination. And in business, you have to have the masculine. But what's happening is that most people, for women especially, most people are operating in their masculine. They're letting their masculine guide and, and be their wisdom. And they're really forgetting the feminine altogether. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I was just, it's just such a good point that we're seeking more of this balanced integrated holistic approach. And that when what we're seeing typically in business, and I'm going to give examples for from so this world of startup, this world of um, funding, trying to go after pitch competitions, you know, so much of that is just such a masculine lens. I, re- I recently heard a woman who was um, reflecting on her experience. And she said that one of the feedback uh, pieces of feedback she received from a mentor was you have to understand that there, these male funders that you're pitching to, you don't sound like them. You don't look like them. You're not doing what they do. So they don't actually know what to do with it, with what you're presenting. Right. And so you have an option to become more like them, which is what a lot of women feel forced to do in order yes. to get that funding, right? Okay, so next time I'm going to go in with the dark blue blazer, a little bit of padding on the shoulders. I'm going to tie my hair back, I mean, wear a little bit um, more subtle makeup, and I'm going to just really nail it with my linear approach to what my business product, and I'm going to think about the language they use, the specific vocabulary that yes. men use, and I'm going to do it that way. Yep. Well, I say I'm done with that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done doing it that way. I'm done trying to be the male because that is not who we are, and it's not what I want to see. I want to see the women bringing their ideas. I want to see the women's, you know, the, the design from the woman's perspective, a yes. little kind of funny thing just to throw in. I was at the dentist today getting a checkup 
and she's taking the x-rays and she apologizes and says, you know, I'm so sorry. Um, we don't really have different sizes for these. You would think that they would make a lot of different sizes for the x-ray bites that you use. And I laughed to her and I said, yes, but we'll have to wait until a woman invents them because only she will think about the small size of the woman's mouth because these most likely were designed by men and tested out on men. So, you know, it's like the way in which even products are constantly designed from the male perspective and leaving out 50% of the population. So there's the exciting news is, hey, ladies, there's a whole lot of opportunity mm. for us to bring in business ideas, products, services that meet the need of women that have been ignored for all this time and not even on the table, not even on the, the whiteboard. Yes, so true. And and I mean, gosh, like I, there's so many things I feel like I want to, you know, I, I think there is so little out there, right? I'm one of the few people that even talks about business done in a more feminine way, right? There's, there is other, a few other people, but there's very little, like, I feel like, you know, and we, you and I have talked about this before. There's kind of these extremes. There's women who are successful, who are masculine, like they're really not operating in their feminine and they're not teaching really feminine principles. And then you have people who are on that really extreme side of feminine and a little bit uh, ungrounded feminine or I a little mean, bit on the fringe, a little bit sometimes so radical that people don't know how to relate or connect to them. Yes. Although I love so much of the radical way of thinking because it's turning things completely on its head, but often not always accessible right. fully to people. There. Yeah. Well, or there's the sort of glamour ones, right? The, the, oh, yeah. the more surface ones that are all about the lifestyle and all about like, I always laugh when I'm talking about this because I kind of flip my hair and I'm like, you know, those people. That- <laughs> <laughs> we can't see you flipping right now, but we can just imagine it. And imagine me yes. flipping my hair. Like feminine empowerment. <laughs> like this is your TED talk that was on you. This is like, yeah, the not do the flip flip hair empowerment that's what you should have called your talk <laughs> but I think- and any listeners out there need to tune in go check out Sonia's new re- newly released TEDx talk because she's going to tackle this in in her yes. eight minutes so yes just wanted did. to plug that real quick thank you thank you yes it is it is definitely live now so you can go check it out um I think that you know there's not a lot of women who are succeeding in a very grounded way. And then most principles of success around business are taught very much from a masculine perspective. Like I've been out there looking, right? I looked for a mentor for a long time who was, you know, several steps ahead of me who, and I really wanted a woman, right? I wanted a woman who could sort of, you know, is ahead of me, but I resonate with and I can feel is operating in her feminine appropriately, yada, yada. Couldn't find anyone. And so I ended up going to a masculine mentor, you know, because I have the groundedness of the feminine. So I can use the masculine principles now to, um, to take action, but not to determine my wisdom, right? And this is what I think a lot of women fail to see is that they go to these masculine mentors or they follow these masculine principles, but they do not have a groundedness in their own wisdom and in their own self-trust and in believing in themselves. So when they don't have that, they're going to really mess up their business and their long-term success. Whereas like what I want to teach my clients is to build that self-trust and build that innate wisdom. And then in doing that later on, once they fully grounded in that part of themselves, well, they can learn from anybody. They can learn any of the principles and apply them, but they trust themselves enough not to let that information trump their feminine wisdom. Yes. 
That's exactly it. It, it, the more grounded you are in your feminine strengths, then you can learn from the masculine, integrate that, and then come back and have your approach. But what happens is when you're insecure about your feminine approach to business and you go learn from a man in sort of this more masculine way, it's easy to lose sight of what you might have felt um, was emerging, but it was yes. vulnerable and kind of not established. And and I I can think of times that that has happened. And honestly, I, I think we named this at some point in one of the other podcasts. We're talking about our stories, but I was definitely an early adopter of doing things the masculine way as a young girl. You know, growing up in sort of the um, the seventies and eighties, and then high school early nineties, it was this time where. I was told that I could do anything. Yeah, you're a girl, but that doesn't mean that you can't do anything that you want. And it was, but it was, you're going to succeed as a woman, but you do need to do it this masculine way. Mm. So I jumped on board, right? I pushed myself. I studied really hard. I achieved. I was ambitious. I made the grade. I got into, you know, the, the college, um, because I was top 10% in my class and I went on to apply myself so I could go to grad school. And it was always about what can I achieve? What more can I do? How can I compete with my, um, colleagues and peers and fellow students so that I can be picked so that I can be number one, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, it was always climbing, climbing, climbing the ladder. And then I talk about when I hit my ceiling was when I became a mom and all of a sudden I couldn't play the male role anymore. I had this beautiful yet vulnerable, independent newborn that needed me for nurturance. And that meant I couldn't push past this revolving door of masculine success that was going to continue to just spin me and spin me and spin me. I had to ground myself in my feminine and nurture my child Mm. and doors shut in my face, right? Doors were like, shut, shut, shut. You've got a small child. You're not reliable. You're a mom. We can't hire you. We can't keep you working here because we can't pay you enough to afford your childcare. You know, and there's just so many different interesting ways that I experienced what that was like to to really be a woman succeeding in the ma- in the man's world yeah. until my femininity could not be denied any longer yeah you know? yeah look and and i feel like for me it's been a lifelong battle really like you know even understanding the principles of operating the fem- feminine it took me a long time to commit to it right yeah so, so and mine started even earlier like I was also just like you adopted the masculine approach. You know, I had my father who was very strong and, you know, influential in my life telling me how to operate, you know, be smart, do well in school, science and math, you know, all of that. And so I pushed myself very young for good grades. When I was in university, I was, you know, basically working 50 hours a week waiting tables to put myself through college. I was um, getting, I think I got one B in six years of university. All the rest were A's. Like I got a 3.9999 GPA, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is so pointless, right? I, I got like two hours sleep. I would cry if I got a B on any part of any test, any part of my thing. I mean, it was like... I pushed myself literally to the max. And, you know, and even after I graduated university, so I went through six years of university, even after I graduated, I remember that right after that, I I immediately like took, a, I tried to sign up for like an entire semester of continuing education courses. 
And I was thinking, and then finally, like, you know, maybe a week before they all started, I said, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> like, I'm yes. done. I don't have to do any more university. And and it was really interesting because for me, I had what I call my fairy year, which is like one of my favorite years I've had in my life. And it was like all following my feminine. So for a year after university, I didn't get a, you know, a real job yet. I waited tables because that was so much flexibility and freedom. I got up in the morning. I went to a cafe. I would journal and discover myself and read books and talk to people. And I literally followed my intuition 24 hours a day, except when I had to be at work. And I always talk about it being one of my favorite years of my life Mm -hmm. because it was like, I literally could just follow my flow and follow my innate wisdom. And I had the most amazing adventures and the most amazing experiences and the most amazing discovery of myself. And that really grounded me in understanding that there was a different way to operate than I'd been led to believe. Mm. Oh, that's so, such a good point. And I'm just going to point out that it's amazing that you knew to do that at such a young age, because I've heard a lot of women sort of coming into that awareness after like the empty nest, you know, Mm -hmm. like after their kids have gone off and they're starting to rediscover themselves, they start taking this time to just give, you know, a year of the, the following their flow or discovering their true selves. And I'm so um, impressed that you were able to do that at, at such a young age. But then I think that most likely led you to have this awareness when you started working with your clients that you were comfortable embracing the feminine way because you'd had success with it. You had been in the masculine world and then had your very year of feminine flow and benefited from it. So you understood the gifts, um, the wisdom that it was able to, to bring you. And I think that there's a lot of women who haven't ever really given themselves permission yep. um, to step in to that. And I've never had that long of a, of a time, although I think it would be good to, to do that. I did it more in like little spurts of just, you know, staying true to myself and traveling, I think was really a big piece for me, like just allowing myself as a young mother to have permission to uproot and take my child and travel and live in different places in Europe and Northern America and Canada, you know, because yeah. it was a way of exploring outside of the cultural norms, which then has led me to be able to be more critique, you know, to critique the social lens um, that you often have based on culture and values. And, and so we have a very, yeah, very masculine lens on the world of business um, globally in the States and Mm. in the, in Australia and globally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, what's interesting, there's a couple of things interesting about that time period. One is I call it my fair year, which, which is really interesting in and of itself because that makes it feel ungrounded. Like it makes it feel like I was flittering and flying, but it was actually a truly <laughs> grounded year, right? But even now I still call it my fair year. And I'm thinking like, as we're talking, I'm thinking, why do I do that? Cause it actually was a really grounded, like amazing experience. And also, actually, after that year is when I met my first husband, and I went back into the masculine. 
And so it was really interesting because from there, for a long time, it was a battle. It was, it was like, you know, I had a reference point for what it felt like to be feminine. And that's why I started my business pretty quickly. Like I went into an advertising agency, worked for a big advertising agency in Denver, Colorado, and it was absolutely miserable. I hated every second of it. And so very quickly, I started my own business. And that's really where I began the entrepreneurial journey. And part of that longing was to have more of that feminine operating system. But like, I had no reference points in business. So it was like this battle right. between, yes. okay, here's the, so I've been there, you know, in that masculine structure and even trying to start my own business to break free of it, but then imposing on myself yeah. all the masculine structures again. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And this is what brought us together because yeah. you and I were doing this and we met each other and we're like, oh my gosh, you're struggling with this too. <laughs> and what if we put our superpowers together? Um, because that's what I wanted. Creating some of Vita is like, I want a business that reflects my values. I want to be able to remember how we would close at three o'clock because it was time to go get the kids. Yep. And we didn't work on Mondays because our kids didn't have school on Monday. Yep. And so we're like, we're just going to set this all up. But then over time we started getting pressures. Well, why can't you stay open later? And why can't you do this? And why can't you do that? Yep. Because people start wanting you to be what they expect, what everybody else is doing. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Um, and that's why I thought it was important that we talk about it today, because I think that women often will start to second guess themselves when they start getting kind of pulled back in to that, um, to the normative male perspective. The ideal worker is built around the male worker, yes. uh, not the female and I know I've brought her up before, but if anybody wants to read more, Bridget Schultz wrote a really great book called Overwhelm, where she goes into all of the research and shows how we are still struggling to implement business structures and work, um, workday timetables based on way back in the, you know, in the day when the ideal worker was, it just made sense. Like after the war, when everybody came back into the workforce we kind of started setting up these, um, these time frames, and we're still working within those, those days. Like yeah. we work five days a week and we have the weekends off and we go from 8am to 5pm as the typical work day or whatever that is, you know, all of that could be turned on its head and we could say, well, what if you worked when you were best in the flow? Like, yes. well, what if, you know, I mean, I know people are like, oh, that's so unrealistic. Everybody would have different business hours, but no, actually probably if you shifted it all around, there would be a feminine, flow that would emerge and it would be consistent, just like the masculine became consistent, <laughs> but we all just gravitated to let it lead. Well, right. And that's so much of what I do with my clients. Because if you go back to, and this is very interesting because I want to make a point of this earlier as well, is that, you know, what, one of the interesting things is that I'm still teaching the same principles, right? Over the last literally 12 years, I'm still teaching the exact same principles, the feminine way, which then I turned into the authentic way because part of the whole feminine way is to figure out who we are and create a business that aligns with who we are. And I'm still doing that work today. But what's interesting yep. is that, you know, People are attracted to the talk of operating in the feminine and they're attracted to the talk of operating more authentically and there's an attraction to it. But did you know that interestingly enough, until I started really talking about the structures that I help people create, I didn't get the kind of leads and the kind of clients that I have now. 
Like people mm-hmm. are still attracted and still it's it's like they love the idea of of this, but what they think will help them succeed is the masculine. Right. So yeah. I get like the, the leads that convert for me, the clients that convert for me are usually because they want the structures that I provide. Right. They want they want to see how do they do their sales and how do they get more leads and and how do they create a structure for their business that's more that is more feminine and that is allows them to have a little bit more flexibility and that works for them. But, you know, they love that I do all the feminine stuff, but that they wouldn't pay for it. At least this is my experience and I've been testing it for a long, long time. And so one of the reasons I, you know, stopped being the feminine way was because I realized that people, people resisted it. They were afraid that it wouldn't create success for them. They were afraid that, that, you know, it wouldn't actually make their business more successful. And ultimately women want to have more power. They want to have more impact. They want to have more income. They want to be able to support their family and they want more power. And they were afraid that it wouldn't give them. So then I changed the authentic way. And I thought, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a little bit more alignment. People get that, but there's still a fear that if they're authentic, you know, that's a lot more popular now. So you have to think, you know, this was like eight or nine years ago. Um, you know, the, if they are authentic, you know, they might not succeed because marketing is not really authentic because, you know, the things you have to do in order to succeed like sales isn't really authentic. And so there was still this fear of actually like, you know, buying into a program that was about authenticity. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's really interesting to see, you know, how so many of us and so many women are still resisting the idea of operating in a, in a feminine way in their business. Like there's just, I think there's just no reference points for it. And, you know, and and maybe that's what we need to talk about. Like what, what are some of the reference points about what it feels like to be operating your business in a feminine way. How does that allow you to succeed? How does that serve you better? How does that, you know, make more of an impact? How does that allow you to make more income? You know, I think that this could be a really interesting part of this episode because I think that the truth is most people just don't have a reference point. Their reference points are all masculine. I mean, I've been looking for books, right, on like business books that are done talking about it from a feminine way. There is none. There's none. Like even the ones that people recommend, like, you know, Sheryl Sandberg, she's masculine. She really is. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, she like tell you have to be a woman in a man's world. That's what she's going to tell you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How to yeah. fit in, how to basically navigate it, but still in a masculine way. Whereas, you know, I teach more about how to operate yourself in a feminine way. And yes, we have to work with the masculine world because it's not all shifted yet. But it is about operating in your truth and in your authenticity. And if you don't do that, you're going to lose yourself, basically. Yes. I think one of the biggest, well, two obstacles that I see in this challenge is that, one, there aren't enough women that we have reference points for, either we don't know about them. They're not getting much coverage or visibility or they're not out there. I believe that they're out there. We just don't hear their stories as much. So I want to encourage more women to step forward and share their successes and how they are um, choosing a more feminine way and how what that's meant for them and their success. Because I think the more mentors, the more models, uh, modeling we have of that, the more point of references, as you say the more we'll feel comfortable stepping into that way. And it's just challenging me or likely to default into what we know or what we see, right? It's mm-hmm. the same thing with 
kids, right? We see, they say, don't, you know, what, with your children you want, they will do what they see, not what they, what you say. Yes. So you're telling them to do one thing, but they're going to constantly refer to what they see. So we can speak about feminine empowerment. We can speak about feminine leadership and the business, the feminine way we can speak about it all day long, but we need to be able to show what it looks like. Um, and I personally have been on that mission and you've been on that mission for over a decade. Um, and we're still going and we're still talking about it. And I'd like to see more women, um, step up and share those stories. And so, and then the second obstacle I think is just that, um, is, is funding. Okay. Mm -hmm. This goes back to a topic. I think we have, um, talked a little bit about, it's like women are going to need to fund other women Mm -hmm. and support other women's companies. And we need to understand the power in being a consumer of women built creativity and, um, and, and not only either consume or support if you have the ability to fund or to invest, because I have seen way too many times women with a wonderful idea and they go, um, they go get investors and they get Mm -hmm. funding and those investors and funders are male. And they start to challenge that woman. Why are you doing it this way? It could be so much more um, lucrative if you do this. We could make money just quickly like that. Well, the feminine way, I will tell you, my belief is that this is not a quick fix. Mm. The women that are succeeding, you're going to see them build and build and build because nothing is built overnight. Nothing of significance was ever changed overnight. Right. Yes. Oh, so true. And I, and, and like, it's probably, it's so funny because I've never in my life gone after funding. Not ever. Like I've been in business. Oh no, neither one of you years. or I, because we can't, yeah. yeah. Cause we can't handle the influence that no the way. investors will have. Yep. No way. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, that's really good point is that, you know, and this is partly why I'm so passionate about helping women normalize a higher level of success, right? More income, more impact, like really like so many women are kind of like, oh, I'll just be satisfied if I make this little money and I'm comfortable. I'm like, we need more women with ambition. We need more women who want to not ambition in the masculine sense, but ambition in a feminine sense, like who want yes. to create impact, who want to contribute. And we need those women to invest in each other. And we need those women to support each other. There's a really great um, play, uh, thing here in Australia called Fem Economy. And they're like a website that basically only allows women who are, you know, women-owned businesses to basically publish themselves and, and be on their website. So that if you want to look for yeah. something, whether it's a product or whether it's a service, you can go to their website and support women, you know, operated businesses, which is amazing. Yes. And we need so much that. more of that. More of that. You know, because, because I do think, so, you know, I think I totally agree. Those are, those are two barriers that we have. And so the other thing I think is actually our greatest barrier is ourselves, right? It is our, and and this is what I see a lot in my clients. It's actually our wounds. And this is where both you and I can help, right? Because I think so often we don't realize that our deep wounds of where we have not had permission to trust our wisdom and where we have not had permission to follow our guidance and when we have been devalued in the feminine and when we have been attacked in the feminine. And oh, there's just so many examples that 
what happens is in order to learn to operate our business in the feminine again, we have to move through those wounds. And so many of my clients get stuck in this piece, right? And I end up having to send them for some support. Sometimes we can move through things consciously, but sometimes I have to send them to Laura or I have to send them to, you know, um, a Cairo who does emotional work or, you know, something or they have their own resources, but they need somebody to help them move through those wounds because until they heal those aspects of themselves, they won't be able to fully step into their power. Oh, I agree a hundred percent because like you're saying, the wounds are often the result of a power differential that was abusive. Yes. It was systemic violence. It was cultural. It was at the hands of um, a partner that they loved or the hands of a society that they trusted. And so there's these wounds. And if we don't look at how we've been hurt and how we are have had power over us, then we can't go on to create structures that um, reverberate power from within. Like we really literally can't go um, from being in an oppressed power position to empowering others. We have to feel that oppression and we have to resolve it in a way that leads us to the other side. So to feel like, oh, wow, this is how I have been pushed down. This is how I've been hurt. And then start to create from a place of self-love and self-compassion. And there's compassion to be felt. There's mercy to be had for the human condition. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be in judgment, but it does need to be awareness. <laughs> there yes. needs to be awareness about how the direction that we're coming from is not the direction that we have to continue. We can change it and we can start to lead and do our businesses in a completely different way, in an integrated way and in a feminine way. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the major pieces is that, you know, we have to move through those wounds so that we can value our feminine again, so that we can value our innate wisdom again, so that we can self-trust. And I think this is the piece. And, and I was talking to one of my clients yesterday, and I was talking about how, you know, we we misunderstand what trusting ourselves is about because a lot of times we've made mistakes and then we trust we we don't trust ourselves and this is a lot of what my TEDx talk is about, you know we we um, we make a mistake we judge it and then we say we can't trust ourselves but what we don't realize is real trust in self comes from whether or not we were we are following our innate wisdom so every time we follow our innate wisdom even when it's painful even when it's hard even when it's difficult we build self trust and every time we deny our feminine wisdom, we lose trust in ourselves. That's the real measure of trust and distrust. And I think we haven't even really talked about that. You and I haven't even really talked about that in a podcast episode, but I think it's a really important piece is that, you know, that's how we build. If you need to learn to trust yourself more, one of the ways is you're going to have to follow your feminine wisdom. And oftentimes that's hard and that's painful because, um, you know, sometimes we have to tell our partners how we really feel, like how we really feel. Not, not edited, yeah. not minimized, 
not in a way that's palatable, <laughs> but in, yeah. a, in a in a way of that's like actually real. Like this doesn't feel good. This isn't okay. You know, it's really being able to tell our truth and to to trust our innate wisdom again. And you know, I think this is a huge piece of operating in the feminine is that we have to come to value ourselves. We can't expect someone else to value us if we are not valuing us. Yes. I love that point. And I think that so many women are, like you said, drawn to the idea of what it means to trust themselves, but they're not really sure, like, where do they start that process? And I would say one of the pieces to keep in mind is that it will be uncomfortable at first some, when you first start to feel yourself and connect to your true self, you then first experience often how you've betrayed yourself, mm -hmm. right? So I think that some people are seeking that wonderful euphoria, you know, feeling that's going to come over them. Like I've connected to myself and I love myself and it's amazing. And so when they don't find that, they think, oh, then I'm not, I'm not able to do this. But to know that, like you said something Every time we trust ourselves a little bit more, then we build capacity to trust ourselves again the next yes. time. Yep. But it's, it's okay. It's a practice. And then it's okay to feel disappointed and sad and angry at like ways in which we haven't trusted ourselves and we've betrayed ourselves and we haven't stayed true. But that just is awareness again of like, oh, wow, I really didn't stay in allegiance to myself so how will I do that next time? Yeah, and just to make a really important point is you can, you you it is so not helpful to beat yourself up for it, like Correct. and this is what I see right because that just makes it not be able to integrate even more. But and I actually it's really interesting right now because I believe there is a is something happening in the universe right there isn't there's just too many weird things happening energetically that I actually think that this is a global phenomenon that's happening is that unconsciously we are starting to wake up to the ways that we've betrayed ourselves as women. And, yes. and in that, like, I feel like I want to cry just even talking about it. <laughs> and in yeah. it, you know, we have yeah. to realize that like, you know, there is a lot of wounds and emotions and we need to let ourselves feel that because I find that a lot of people that I'm around who, when we're talking about these, or even when they're, they're struggling with stuff, they want to shut down those emotions and they, they judge even their tears as wrong. And it's like, this is exactly what we need. We need a cleansing, like cry your eyes out, like let yourself feel all the emotions because we, as women need a cleansing. We need to get back to that place so that we can become aware of where we've wounded ourselves, where other people have wounded us as well and begin to move through that because on the other side is our power mm. yes there it is <laughs> yeah I love that <laughs> and maybe that's a good place to end today but I think this is like you know, really I you know when we when we sort of said let's do this topic today because I mean for those of us 
for those of you that don't know, Laura and I never, ever plan these episodes. We literally just say, let's talk about this. And then we just dive into the episode. And I think what I've realized from this episode is this is a much bigger topic and we should dive into more aspects of it because I think it's really important for us to learn to operate our businesses in a way that's more aligned with who we are. Yeah, I love it. And this conversation is just reminded me of why you and I came to mm. to be, why we crossed paths. I needed you as a sister on the same path to see what I was seeking and desiring and to, to be able to not walk this path alone. It makes such a difference to know that you're in good company with other women that see what you see. It's this you know, ability it in psychology, we call it cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. when what you experience is not reflected back to you in a greater society, right? I mean, it can be applied in different ways, but it's like you're experiencing something and you look to say, is this true? And it's reflected back. It can come from a parent or from the greater world. And it's like, no, there's actually a great quote from Adrienne Rich. And she says, like, when you look in, she's a feminist writer. She's like, when you look in a mirror, um, and it doesn't reflect when you're a student. She was talking about young people. When you're a student, you look in the mirror for um, a reflection. And what you, who you are and what you feel and what you experience is never reflected back to you in this classroom from the teacher, from the textbooks, from your experience. Then you are left with a feeling of disequilibrium as mm-hmm. if your reality is not true. Yes. And I think that that's happening to too many women that are looking to to the masculine business world for validation. And ladies, I tell you, do not look there anymore to tell you what you're capable of and what your value is. Yes. Let's create a new paradigm and a new reflection for what the feminine business looks like. And let's all there to one another to validate and support. Woohoo. Love it. Okay. So that is a good spot to end. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you all for joining us today and we will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the show. To get some great resources and listen to all of our episodes, visit theliberationlab.com. We want to help other women get the support they need to create more real success and freedom. If you're enjoying the show and want to support our mission, you can write a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. A huge thank you to all of you who've commented, emailed us, and reviewed our show. We are so appreciative of your support. See you next week.